Hello and welcome to Ghost Divers. This is an anime podcast. I'm your co-host Neve, and I'm joined by my other co-host Connor. Welcome everybody. And uh, we are going to be watching Neon Genesis Evangelion for the podcast next. Uh, it's a little known anime. Um, you probably haven't heard of it. It's like really obscure. Very um, obscure. Doesn't, yeah, it doesn't get talked about at all. It's not one of the largest anime franchises. Um, just like in terms of kind of like impact within the culture at least like within the understanding of the culture yeah it's just it's a it's a really really unknown gem really hidden gem we, we want to bring it out show it to you all um hopefully you'll you'll find something new um yeah after doing crow high just to give you know listeners a little insight into how we plan these things after doing the immensely popular crow high and then you know gundam which is a mainstay franchise yeah, um, we decided we really wanted to take a uh, a pretty sharp turn into something more obscure and uh, draw some attention to this little known uh, this little known franchise, which yeah. really has a lot to offer. So, um, I mean, the the thing here is that I hope that we can shed some new light on this thing. But before we like get into uh, what are our experiences with Evangelion up to this point, and like, what is our goal for these episodes? I just want to quick forecast. Like, if you're watching along with the podcast, here's what to to expect in terms of episode release. Of course, as always, you can check the episode description for the intro episodes, and also find the like calendar, the the schedule down there. One note here is that I have an extreme amount of fondness for the Evangelion manga, and I think the differences between the manga and the show are, are interesting in certain ways, and for me, interesting in ways that maybe are not necessarily what, like, the fandom read of what do the differing endings of Evangelion in different versions of Evangelion mean, but, like, more of a broader, like, how is this thinking about the themes that I think you and I are interested in, Connor, like how's it thinking about and dealing with them differently? Um, and what is it choosing to pull out? So 
probably the biggest chunk of the manga talk is going to be like at the very, very end. And so we're going to be watching the, the entire show plus the movie end of Evangelion, which is like the minorest of spoilers here. Kind of it. You, you could debate exactly like, is it a different ending? Is it just a different perspective on the same ending? Blah, blah, blah. But it's like a, a movie version of the end of the show. And so that's where I think it'll make the most sense to talk about the manga be- because it is these like different endings that people talk about that are like the key thing. Um, and I kind of want to talk about like thematically based on, I think what we're interested in the show, like how, how do those different endings also differ or like change our understanding of it. And so I want to be able to talk about the manga on here and I also don't want to be like, okay, we watched all of the show, now watch a movie, and also read an entire 14-volume manga for the next episode. Um, so I wanted to like signal here as well, these are when, like, here's roughly the chapters of the manga, or stages, as they call them, and how they line up with the episodes that we're watching, so that if you are watching the anime, you can also read the manga along and kind of like keep them roughly in pace. So in terms of what episodes as well as what chapters in the manga we're going to be reading. Uh, So you can expect next episode on May 14th, we are going to be talking about episodes one through six, as well as uh, stages one through 19, um, which covers volumes one through three of the manga. If you're reading the, the paper copy as a note, there is a website. I think, let me actually double check. Do you remember what it's called, Connor? I think this is where you're watching it or where you're reading it. Um, um yes genesis hyphen evangelion yeah dot yeah, com so genesis hyphen evangelion dot com so yeah, you can go and read it there as well um then on may 28th we'll be watching uh episode 7 through 13 and talking about stages 20 through 26 in volume 4 of the manga um as a note here like there's a lot that happens in those episodes that just doesn't happen in the manga or that happens sequentially later on. But the stuff that we're talking about, I think like I would rather just have it like those chapters are focused on the character Asuka. We can just focus on that. And then the stuff that we probably really want to talk about with episodes 14 through 20, which will be June 11th episodes, 14 through 20 already starts happening in stage 27. So then it's stage 27 through 51, which is volumes five through eight of the manga. And it's like partway through volume eight. Um, Then June 25th, we'll be watching episodes 21 through 26. And then that stages 52 through 74 in volumes eight through 11 of the manga. And then July 9th, we will be watching End of Evangelion and reading through stages seven through the end. I think it's usually just referred to as final chapter or something like that. Um, there's like a bonus chapter in the, the whatever. Read all of it. We're finishing it there, um, which is like <laughs> volumes 11 through 14 of the manga. Also, as a note, these are different endings. The ending that happens in like episodes 21 through 26. It's really like the last two episodes that end of Evangelion covers and that also the span of manga covers. And I think the manga has clearer parallels to the story that's in the movie than in the show. So that's also why I'm like, just wait until you watch the movie to read through that, that part of the manga. 
So that's kind of there for people who want to like watch and also read the manga along with us. Again, it's in the episode description, but I wanted to just say it here as well. So people kind of, I don't know, if you don't like reading things and prefer hearing me say a bunch of numbers, maybe that, that works for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like that's a rare kind of person, but there's probably someone who that's good for. So We um, can do that in the question bucket. Like, podcasts are an, audio, an auditory medium. Like maybe, maybe someone has seeing disabilities and you know still listens to podcasts there you go you can you can go back and listen we're um, gonna do uh for the question bucket we're gonna do asmr with random strings of numbers <laughs> yeah definitely we'll not forget about that by the time we get to it um, <laughs> the the one other note here um i'll get into this more when we talk about our experiences with Evangelion, but we're going to be joined by our very first guest on the podcast, Brad Nelson. They are the person who introduced me to Evangelion as well as Fooly Cooly, and I'm very excited to have them on in part because we don't talk that much anymore either, so it'll be really fun to just be like, hey, remember when we were like and watching anime and talking about like our our kind of interpretations about what's going on especially with the end like the the end of the evangelion show not the movie end of evangelion and now we're both like queer um let's let's talk about that because i think there's some related stuff happening there um, <laughs> interesting <laughs> so, yeah. coincidence <laughs> yeah it'll it'll be um i think it'll be a fun conversation it's i'm also just excited for us to like have our first guest um i've kind of been intentional about like i know that i want to have brad on to talk about evangelion and i like there's a poignancy to me of having them be our first guest as like hey you're the one who like really got me into anime but yeah i guess this is like a good time for us to to talk about our experience with the evangelion i'm gonna throw to you because i've been talking for a little bit i'll let you okay. go first yeah you gotta rest those those vocal cords. Yeah. Also, people have already heard that you watched this in uh, grad school, so it like keeps the suspense alive. Of like, oh, but when did Neve watch it? Oh, true, true. Except you just said that you watched it. In well, <laughs> <laughs> listen. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I'll talk about. Uh, my, I'll, just, I'll my... just bleep out every time I say <laughs> <laughs> spoiler alert retroactive spoiler alert if if you don't want spoilers then don't listen to the bit that you just listened to so yeah so uh, when I was in grad school I watched Ava I know I've talked about this in past episodes I think that point on my anime trajectory was like still in the early stages for some reason I just glommed on to anime like in grad school and you know i had watched anime like in high school um in like cartoons quote unquote um and gundam stuff earlier than that but when i was in grad school um procrastinating severely on my thesis and other assignments um and searching for for convenient things to fill the void while also doing quite a lot of drugs I somehow ended up with Ava, which, depending on your experience at Ava, is either perfect for that kind of moment or absolutely terrible. And let's just say it 
it really uh, it really affected me. Um, it it was a very uh, profound first impression, and it's stuck with me since. Um, I haven't watched it since, but I've thought a lot about it. And I think what's amusing is that I watched it like in solitude and then just had like this extremely. Um, you just brain genius about it? Or? I, somewhat, yeah. I don't know. I, I brained about it. I, I will, I'll say that. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it really did. Um, I know I'm joking, but it really did elicit quite a like visceral response from me and uh, affected me greatly. But I never spoke with anyone about it until we met and started talking about it. At which point I was like, wow, it's so great to have an outlet because I have so many thoughts about this series and I feel really strongly about it. And I know like we've had some great conversations um, about it in the past, which hopefully we will improve on here. So I think that's... This is like more dedicated for us to like really go through it, which... I found, like, even with Ghost in the Shell, which we talked about a lot, we still, I felt like, we're able to, like, solidify things in a different way, because when you're doing it for a podcast, you're just like, okay, we have to hit the episodes, and we have to, like, you know, do I was going to say, we and... we have to, like, do it within time, but our, our version of doing it within an, an amount of time, which, we... <laughs> I'm our, sorry. Our, our, our conception of, our conception of the, like, See, I don't think we totally betrayed ourselves because I think our conception of the amount of time needed for a, an episode of Ghost Divers was, it was revised, you know? Yeah, I mean, in, I in, went in into it expecting, I went in and expecting like two hour episodes. So I I was never planning on a tight 60 minutes. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then things happened. Yep. One other thing I'll say is, again, you know, I don't want to overdetermine because I might change my opinion in in midstream here. Because this is my second time watching it, and I've only watched episodes one through six. Um, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to change my opinion on this point. It's a series I really like. I I know it's it's a series that's quite controversial. I understand for a number of reasons, which. I think, you know, we'll address the controversy a bit later. But to me, it's it's a series that's really important and does have a lot to offer. And I hope that as we go through this, regardless of how you feel about the series, because again, it's, it's polarizing and uh, unique in a way that I think it's just inherently like in a lot of ways, not satisfying. And that is part of its DNA. But, you know, we can, we'll get into all that later. Um, yeah. I think it's also like, we, we were joking about little known, but like the, the scale of this anime, like the importance placed upon it, I think is also part of why there are probably other shows that are polarizing, but that do not have the same like primacy placed upon them as like this is one of the greats of the genre or whatever mm-hmm. and that like primacy 
forces people, I think, to have more of an opinion on it or to like be in situations where their opinion is something like one that they will have encountered to then have a polarized opinion and then will encounter situations where people are talking about it to then like respond to. Whereas I think there are like, we've talked about doing Yuri Kuma Arashi. Like that's a series that I think has also been polarizing. And yet like not a lot of people have watched this like Yuri anime based off of a bear attack that happened in Japan made by the director of Utena. Um, And so it's like, there are still people who will have opinions on it, but it's just not the like scale of exposure that Evangelion has had where people feel like they are confronted with it. And thus I think that like continuing to encounter something will like, force you in some ways to like become more polarized and then also like feel a greater degree of like, this is something that I, I have an opinion on anytime anyone mentions it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. If I can like interject on that same point, I think Ava, what's really striking to me about it is that it, it has this problem of being like simultaneously on a pedestal, which as you point out, makes it a target because when things are on pedestals, in media, like people want to weigh in and either praise it or like take it down. But as a show, it is it it's really not the type of show that is going to make you feel good. <laughs> um Yeah. And so this combination of like the type of show that it is and then also the fact that it's attained this status makes it something that just like really draws a lot of emotional energy, let's just say, including yeah. ours. So I guess this is where I can I can talk a little bit about my experiences with Evangelion. So, I mean, I've talked a little bit about, like, getting to know, or, like, getting into anime and that process before. And often, like, there are so many stages because, you know, I was watching stuff that was anime but it was often dubbed it was like it was stuff that was on tv it was like very much that vibe and evangelion when i think about it is really the i don't actually know if it even was the first like anime that i got dvds and watched but basically i was kind of getting into anime and was posting on live journal because it was in high school. Um, I'm not going to leave at that time. And, you know, I, w- I was posting on a lot of different forums or like, I forget what they called them back then. They were like communities or whatever. Um, so there was like poetry communities, I think is actually how I met Brad. I was posting on music communities. And then I was kind of talking about like, oh, here's like this very budding like early interest in anime that I have that again is like was not at the level of like, I am getting DVDs that have like multiple language tracks and like any of that level. Like I was not at a level where subs versus dubs was even a thing because I was just watching dubbed anime on TV. And I was especially back then very good friends with Brad. Like they were probably my best friend back then uh, or one of my best friends. Like one of my best internet friends for sure. 
and you know we would talk about what was going on in our lives but then also we talked about anime and brad was like you should watch um so i think the like three big ones they said were neon genesis evangelion fully Cooly, and karekano or like his and her circumstances i think is how it's often localized and I actually still have not watched Karekano. Sorry, Brad. Um, hey, but, maybe, uh, maybe something to watch yeah, later on the podcast. Yeah, we could do it for the pod. Um, and what I actually did, so I I went to like, let me look into anime. And I think this is why I think I actually watched Fully Coolia first. Because I think I went to a store to buy anime. And I was like, shit, this is fucking expensive. <laughs> um, and was also like for my brain as a child or like, you know, as a teen, there was also something different about like, I was watching a ton of like art film at the time, but I was getting it through like a local video rental store. And so like buying DVDs was just not a thing I was doing much of. And most of my money was going towards Icelandic CDs. And then I was sometimes buying books especially because books were something like my parents' house basically looks like a library. They like my dad loves books so much. Um, and it like extends through my family to like my opa and everything. And so it was also very easy to like be in a bookstore with my parents and like be able to just buy a book and stuff. So like manga became more accessible. And so I think this is also how I started reading the Evangelion manga first. So I actually read the manga before I watched the anime or, or I read a fair amount. Um, I read at least the first three volumes, which actually in Japan, my understanding is they released before the anime, like the, the manga started running before the anime started airing. And then I think, Basically, like when episode three of the anime aired, the manga about episode three was like being released or had just been released in the like, um, I forget what what uh, magazine it was published in, but like whatever weekly magazine it was being published in um, as like individual chapters. And so... I definitely had like at least read through the first three manga. I think I read a little bit beyond that. And then I was like this, I, I enjoyed this a lot. And then I finally actually did get like used copies of the show. And of course, like the manga didn't wrap until like not that many years ago. So um, yeah, essentially all of this is like, this was this, this manga and also the show that was really an important introduction to a lot of mecha anime stuff for me. Um, not that I hadn't like kind of encountered it before, but this is where I think it really like solidified as a thing in my head. And this was also, I think we'll get into it as we talk more about the series, but there's stuff going on with gender and sexuality in the series that like Brad and I were talking about obliquely back then in ways where, again, it's not surprising to me that we both ended up queer. <laughs> um, and so that was kind of like, that was some of the, the importance that this was holding at the time. And I, like you have not, I watched it multiple times when I first saw it, I watched it. Like I definitely watched through the DVDs. I watched through the DVDs again. I know that, 
when the perfect like the platinum perfect collection or whatever the hell they call it um that's what i have now when that came out i like sold my old already used copies to then like put it towards buying the the platinum collection which has it's basically just like a, a better transfer and they also redid animations which is a thing that's become incredibly common with um a lot of anime now and i think at the time it was a little bit newer um this idea of like we're going to release a box set and we're also going to go back and like just fix some of the stills that look bad or whatever. I think they don't really touch the final two episodes much, which uh, feels like a significant choice to me that like, that is what it is. And like, if you want the version that's like beautifully animated in like terms of, wow, this, this is some intense action scenes. That's what end of Evangelion is. (laughs) Um, Kind of. Again, without, yeah, kind (laughs) of without, without um, spoiling things too much. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, it it was like I watched it a lot in high school and I may have watched it in undergrad, but I I don't even like I think I've just carried around the DVDs. I've also carried around the manga. And when volume 14 of the manga came out in the US, I I think I had stopped reading where like I had three volumes that I had to buy. But it was like, oh, Evangelion, the manga is complete now. Um, and so I got the final three volumes and then I like read through it all the way from the start. I, for me, I have a certain, like my fondness for the series is highly tied up into the manga. And that's part of why I'm like, I, I want to signal like, Hey, I'm going to be talking about this as a significant thing. If people want to read a lot long, like here's what to do because it was both my introduction to it and is also like what has solidified it in my head most recently. And also this is like a a very small thing I'm going to say here. We'll get into this more as we go on. My recollection of the anime combined with stuff that I've heard from like friends about the anime sense. um, Some of this is like, I'm going back and I'm going to see how true it is, but Ano, there, there's like a, a thing that people will say that Ano hates women. I'm going to wait until I watch the show before I like firmly agree with Ano hates women. But I do think that there are a lot of interesting women in the show who get um, like their their development gets sublimated to Shinji. Um, Shinji like takes a high amount of pri- primacy at the end and... I think the manga does a better job in my recollection. Again, this could be, we'll get to the end and I'll be like, no, I was completely wrong. But to my recollection, the, the manga does a better job of like, I know the manga does a better job of, of letting Ray develop as like an actual character in a way that I think the show gestures at, but not to the same degree. And I think that overall that's true of a lot of the characters in the manga Sadamoto has said that it is very difficult for him to draw if he does not understand the character and what the character is thinking. And I think that has in one way colored some of how he portrays like, I think Shinji, my read of Shinji is that Shinji is like Ano in so many ways. And I think 
Sadamoto Shinji is a different take on that character um, because now Sadamoto is having to try to understand this person and like Ano is so clearly against himself being understood by people sometimes. Um, but I also think that like part of what makes the manga so important to me or so interesting to me is that I think he also takes the time to actually understand like what are Ray's motivations throughout all of this in a way that the show doesn't seem as interested in? Like, what are Misato's motivations? What are Asuka's motivations? And I think there's a greater clarity there than the show gives you. And, like, I know you haven't started reading the manga yet, Connor. Um, I don't know what your expectations are of, like, what it is that it gives more clarity on, but honestly, I think it is, like there's a clearer sense of like these people have these motivations and are like thinking and doing these things. And I think the biggest one is Ray who, as we'll get into, especially in the show is like an enigma in many ways. So this is like starting to touch into what are some of the themes we're going to bring out. One other part I just want to put here is part of why more recently I haven't rewatched Evangelion is I'm afraid that I'm going to rewatch Evangelion and I'm going to have the experience that I had unintentionally when I replayed Persona 3 Portable, which is saying, when I think about Evangelion, I, I know that so much of my fondness for the series at the time was being incredibly depressed and suicidal and struggling with queerness and that this was a series that seemed to take all of those things seriously and yet I also know that my understanding of what I was going through was so was still so like steeped and mired in it in a way that my understanding talking from people who have like more recently watched the show that I think Anno was also like very steeped in his depression when he was making the show it is one of those things where it's like in going back and revisiting it, am I going to go, oh, I can see why I love this so much when I was in high school because it is viewing these things in such a unhealthy way, but that was the same unhealthy way that I was viewing it. Just like with Chidori in Persona 3, back then I was still struggling with these like savior complex things. And so I was like, oh, this like self-harm story is fine. And I didn't have the distance to be like, no, they are actually literalizing that like, her value is to sacrifice herself for others. And that's actually really fucked up. And so I like, I don't know if I'm going to ha have that kind of reaction here. So we'll, we'll see. Um, this might be a darker one again, folks. <laughs> it's yeah. a darker series. So, um, but yeah. yeah, and that's also like, I read the manga and I'm like, like when I last read the manga, I was like, I'm actually identifying really strongly with like Misato and uh, Ritsuko here, who are like the older women in the story, and also realizing that in some ways, at the time, I like idealized Ray. Like, so the other thing here is um, Brad and I have actually never met in person. Uh, we planned trips. I think there were two trips that we planned that got canceled for various reasons to like be able to meet up and actually meet each other in person. Um, but we would send each other mail and like gifts and things. And so Brad got me a figure of uh, cat girl Ray that I still own 
because of this weird sentimentality of like, oh, yes, this person who was very important to me in high school got this for me, even though now I'm like, this is a weird sexualization of this high school girl for me to just like own in my home. Um, <laughs> so the other like weird sexualized anime figure I have is also Ray in like a nightshirt on a bed that uh, Emily got for me. When we first started dating. And so it's also this one of like, I don't want to get rid of this because this is one of the first gifts that Emily gave me. Their grandfather man. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there is definitely moments where I'm just like, please don't look at my anime figure collection. I promise the two creepy ones are like weird sentimental things from high school that are about my relationships with people who I like care about dear- uh, dearly. Um, and I actually am like not at all interested in this high school girl anymore. Uh, even though when I was a high schooler, I was, but also it was tied up in all the same ways that... Um, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but like I had a lot of crushes on girls in high school where in retrospect, I'm like, oh, I was definitely attracted to this person, but I also really wanted to be them. Like I wanted to be a cool tomboy who like could enjoy these things, but then like could enjoy anime or video games or whatever, but that that did not define them as like a boy. They still got to have like... Their, the core of who they were was a girl and the, these interests. Anyway, like when I look at Ray too, I'm like, oh, I was like clearly also going through stuff in ways that I think especially manga Ray like gets pulled out even more. And so when I go reread it now, I'm like, okay, the three characters that I identify with most here are like Ray, Misato, and Ritsuko. Um, and Ray very much is like, oh, wow, I was also an incredibly fucked up, sad kid. Um, and I'm not that anymore. Now I'm like Misato and Ritsuko who are like older and trying to get their life together, even though still sometimes it's hard because being an adult is hard. So yeah, those are, here's some like quick reads I have on characters, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I feel- uh, I'll stop ranting. I'll throw it back to you. We can talk about themes. <laughs> Oh, well, I appreciate you throwing it back to me because I, I feel like sometimes I laugh at these like inopportune moments, but it's, it's an empathetic laugh, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I know I've done that a couple of times where you've said something and I've just been like, I don't know why I laughed there. That wasn't funny at all. <laughs> um, I, so. I think there's like a certain, I know that I do this a lot with myself as well, where I will like, it's even the thing of, like, I will text someone and be like, you know, oh, I'm, like, fucked up th- about this thing happening and I know it's actually fine and I'm just fucked up about it because, like, I was emotionally abused and I'm still, like, struggling with that and I have these emotions that are tied to that and I can, like, rationally know that the current situation is fine and yet, like, because of this I still have these, like, physiological things that happen to me. Ha ha. <laughs> And I'll exactly. like end whatever the message is with like haha because I'm like, hmm, how do I like defuse this tension? Um Yeah, just just and, putting a period there would be weird. Yeah. I have to laugh at this. Um but like I do um I don't know if you've ever watched um no, it's not uh Douglas. It's what was there one before Douglas? But the Hannah Gatsby Oh, it's a Hannah Gatsby special. Yeah. Uh Nanette. I don't know if you've watched the Nanette special, like Hannah Gatsby's Nanette special. Um, I think we actually part of watched part of that into... together. Okay. Part of the end is her talking about like how so much of what comedy is, like that laughter 
at its heart is a thing that it is actually about diffusing like discomfort or awkwardness or like that like part of why we laugh at the end of the joke is that the the joke like presented something to us that was like confusing or that we are puzzling through and then it was solved in some way that like may have in some happy way like delighted us but that it was also like finally diffusing whatever was being built up like whatever tension that joke was building up and that like really that is like the the purpose for laughter for human beings is the like dissolving of tensions um and like a response to feeling like tensions are dissolving and so for me i'm never like oh it's weird that connor laughed there i'm like yeah that's like that's what people do people laugh when there's like oh wow this is like an intense thing i'm gonna laugh because there's like tension and laughter is a thing that like that relieves tension and also is a thing that bonds people like when people are laughing together that helps build like closer relationships and so also it's like oh if you're being more intimate to me saying this thing about your life i'm going to now like laugh here to like signal that it's okay anyway this is me going into like my understanding of what laughter is and why it's actually completely normal to laugh when things are like not necessarily funny in the classical sense uh, <laughs> especially if it's with a friend i think it gets weirder when it's like there isn't an intimacy and i think that the the weirdness of like something bad just happened and then like a stranger is like laughing awkwardly because something happened i think part of why that becomes so like awkward and bad for the person who just had the bad thing happen to them is one that like especially if it's actively happening, they should just be doing something about it instead of laughing awkwardly that something bad is happening. But also that like it presumes a level of intimacy, like laughter is a a thing that is an intimacy between people. And so it's also weird for like a stranger to then laugh in a way that it might not be if it was like your friend who you're talking to it about. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, you know, Evangelion, if you're laughing at home right now, get help. Yeah. Um, so, you're not our friends unless we really are <laughs> it's, friends. It's not okay. Um, so, okay. Thank you for that. Um, but oh, now... You know, totally on topic to Evangelion. There, yeah, there may or may not be laughing. And in, in I... Quick sidebar. I do hope that we, like, get... That as we go through this, like, we bring some, like mirth and good humor to it but i don't know how much like laughing at the content uh because the content's funny i don't know how much that's gonna happen yeah i feel like it might happen a little bit more at the very beginning here and uh especially when you get to the second half it's like who okay (laughs) yeah um but just to quickly um respond to some of your earlier comments about the manga so you you asked me you know what i'm expecting um we've had some brief comments or conversations about the manga and the differences between the series and the manga in the past. So I I kind of I kind of know your take on it. I think my main expectation with the manga and what I expect to be the big difference is more content which which is kind of, you know, what you're describing, just a, a lot more fleshing out of the characters, their motivations, what's going on in the world, like so on and so I, forth. Just 
I Go think ahead. it's one where I think it's less more content and rather a shifting of what that content is. Like there are things that get that are that happen in the show that actually do not happen in the manga. They just like get skipped over. Like there are entire angel battles that just don't happen. There are entire episodes of the show that do not exist in the manga. And I also don't even know if mu- that much of it is like further explaining the world or what's like, like if you want the actual lore of like, what are angels and why is this happening? There's actually like a video game that it was also created around the same time. That is like a canonical video game that explains it. And it's all stupid. The manga does not have that stuff. The manga is not like, Oh, here's the like aliens that started there or what? No, um, it is, it is like really the more content is, I think, and I, I actually think the interiority it is, of the characters. Yeah, it is the interiority of the characters. And I think that it is happening because Yoshiyuki Satomoto is saying, how do I express this? And I cannot use like, I cannot in the same way that the anime can like show you two characters standing in silence for like 30 seconds like it is incredibly hard for me to replicate that in the form of a manga and i i'm like trying to find other ways to express what what people are going through but some of that involves like a greater degree of those characters both having interior thoughts that we we hear in the manga that we don't in the anime because it's also so much easier to like draw in someone's thoughts or like write in someone's thoughts in a, the comic form than it is like you can do the like here's the voiceover what a character's thinking but it gets it gets like excessive fast in a a show often in the way that it doesn't in a like comic so I think that's part of what's happening. And I think the other part that then happens that becomes interesting about the manga is that also sometimes characters will actually express to other characters with dialogue what they are thinking and and like how they are understanding themselves. And I think that comes down to a fundamental difference in how Ano and Sadamoto think about the characters and perhaps even think about um, like humanity. how you portray... Yeah, humanity and like... Without going too much into it, I I think a lot of what Anno's version is like, these people are stoic on the outside and are like in complete turmoil in their inner like existence. And yet none of that is being expressed Um, on the outside. It is so often like the way that it is expressed is small gestures or is the like extension of the lack of communication that people are having and what that like lack of communication in and of itself communicates. Mm -hmm. Whereas Sadamoto has to use different forms and some of it is a greater reliance on dialogue that, especially in the form of comics, if you want to slow down a scene, dialogue is often the best way to do it because then people have to slow down to read the words instead of quickly taking an image with their eyes and turning the page. And so, and it's not that this is like a super dialogue heavy manga. Like 
I am reading through Evangelion so much faster than I'm still working my way through Cromartie High School. And, like, there's just so much goddamn dialogue in Cromartie High School. It takes forever to read. <laughs> um, there's so many words on the page. Um, and they're but, all like, important. Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's so much interiority. Uh, there's so much of, like, characters thinking things and then saying something and then thinking a bunch. Um, but... I think one of the other things that Yoshiyuki Sadamoto realized is one, like the, the difference between spoken words and thoughts in a manga are like the line between them is so much thinner than it is with like television with like animation and things like that. The, the way that it reads because it, you're still drawing like speech bubbles. You're just drawing a different speech bubble. Um, that's like reflecting thought rather than dialogue. And so I think so much of it too also becomes like what then happens if one, these characters have a clear understanding of themselves and what their current emotional feelings are and what they are currently going through. And then also because it is so easy for Sadamoto to just be like, "Ah, I'll just have like Shinji say this instead of think it. And like, there's one that, like the the dialogue between Gendo and Ray in a pivotal scene in the manga is like far larger, whereas in the show it's Gendo saying Ray, Ray like looks at him a certain way, and then he says I see, <laughs> and there's like actual dialogue that happens in the manga, and so I think some of it too is like okay, if these characters want to have a clearer understanding of like what they are going through emotionally, and then also are more willing to. St- to say those to the other people that are around them. Like if they are as human beings, fundamentally more willing to talk to other people about what is happening in their lives. Like would that process not necessarily push them towards a like less depressing ending because they are now able to like, we'll get into the the whole thing of the hedgehog dilemma when we get to it, but like they are now able to get closer to each other in a way that they can't in the show. And in that, like getting closer to each other, they're able to better understand each other and support each other in ways that they just can't in the show. Um, And so I think that's so much of like why the ending of the manga feels so much more optimistic to me because the way that Sadamoto started drawing it, and I don't even think it was intentional, but I think I, my read is that he understood by the end that the way that he was handling it was fundamentally different than Anno handled it and that mm-hmm. it was a view of humanity and its ability to communicate with each other that was fundamentally different than Anno's understanding of humanity and its ability to like for people to communicate with each other that what that ending is that necessarily has to be different um yeah so and that- we'll we'll get to it that, that <laughs> I kind of like dance around spoilers and we can just let's let's wait till we get there at this point but i'll let you respond <laughs> yeah I, i'm just gonna i'm gonna try and stay spoiler free and just make some like general comments to like may, maybe maybe close this out um it will be really interesting to um so so, so the main point of expecting there to be more like content around characters interiority is important for like what my conception is right now of the difference between the the show and the manga it will be really interesting to eventually discuss the manga and how it differs because i think that will be a really good conversation at the end and i know that we 
I know we've discussed this briefly already, but as far as like as far as like our engagement with Ava for the majority of this goes, on my end I really want to treat like this series we can argue about like where we should draw the bounds of like interpretive, you know, of the content we're including or excluding, but I really want to treat like the anime series and end of Evangelion as like its own discrete entity because like as we've been discussing, I think it is like distinct and it has a coherence um, and wholeness in and of itself. Um, it does certain things that I think are, let's just say like important. And the differences that you've discussed, like the, the lack of interiority in Ava to me is an essential part of what the show is and of like the picture of humanity and of the world that it's representing and not like a failure, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah. I, I think it is like a very, very, very crucial uh, part of like what Ava the series is and is part of the narrative, um, a distinct like way of approaching narrative that really is, is very interesting to me about Ava the series, which like, no, I will not continue on that because that will be spoilers. Um, yeah, but I, I know like I've said to you and just for people on the podcast as well, I, especially now that I've said this here in the intro episode, I don't think I'm going to have much to say about the manga for like our first three discussion episodes. Uh, it's really going to be around the character that happens like towards the very end of the series, uh, Koru, where that's probably where I'll start saying like, hey, I want to talk a little bit about what's happening in the manga because I think it's important. Um, and then obviously when we do End of Evangelion, that's like the episode where we're going to talk about the manga as well as its like own discrete thing. But especially up until that point there are key differences but i think it's an it'll be enough for me to be like how does this resolve and let's talk about what the differences were without throughout this entire series me having to be like and then in the manga they said this instead or whatever like it's easier like, to understand why why ray does this like in the manga yeah yeah it's yeah it's not going to be that so it's it's really going to be like Especially the the very end, like end of Evangelion, but also our final discussion episode for the show, where I will probably have thoughts on like, here's the manga, just because like when I talk about Koru, I I feel like to some degree I have to talk about like how much more the, the manga focuses on that character, how much more like time we spend with that character in the manga compared to the show. And that is like that choice to focus more on Koru and like what he means for the story is I think also for so much of what I want to talk about with this, this show is like a very important point. So again, dancing around spoilers, but like really don't expect much manga talk for episodes one through 20 of the show. It's really when we get to the end. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like, it's not out of bounds, obviously, if you have questions about the differences, feel free to write into the question bucket. And I'm sure it will come up organically in conversation. 
but you know i also want to address like the anime very much on its own terms and uh the last thing i wanted to say before we move on in spite of our like ironic spiel at the beginning about eva being little known and not discussed it you know it, it is and sitting here now uh preparing to like discuss it uh it it's hard not to feel the stakes um or feel that there are stakes um because so many people are invested in this series by its very nature it is a series that like invites a lot of interpretation um and frustration uh and so there's a much like a massive conversation happening around this and you know i want to uh we have some readings that we're going to proffer to your listeners that by no means will ever be comprehensive or whatever but that we hope you know help people access it or elucidate certain parts um that maybe were inaccessible or like not enjoyable um, if enjoyable is a word you can use for Ava. And uh, on that same note, like there's some readings that we're just not going to do. And I'll just be upfront about it. I really don't think that this is a series about like, oh, uh, Shinji Ikari like is a young boy who uh, learns how to be a man and like triumph over challenges and becomes this legendary hero you know, through hardship and, like, blah 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 I know there's probably people who are, like, invested in this, in that type of reading, but that's, I don't think that's what we're going to do. I know there's some people out there who are also really invested in, like, a very rigid idea of Shinji's sexuality because they're, like, Maybe, I don't know, but maybe they're like, I I identify with Shinji and like, you know, I don't want to be gay. So Shinji can't be gay and none of this like gay subtext is real because like, I don't, I don't want to have to like acknowledge that. I, I acknowledge that that exists out there. Um. And we're probably not even going to like address it beyond this point. Um, because if you don't think that Shinji is at least a bisexual, get the fuck out of here. Stop listening to our podcast. That's what I'll say. Yeah. Like to me, and, and this is. You're not going to like it. Yeah. So without spoiling, because I know this will be an object of discussion later, like to me, like even in the anime series, it is overwhelmingly obvious that (laughs) that is not the case um so one one quick here note here too because i think it's related uh i i'm not gonna like you don't have to like blow up your spot you know we uh we are uh pro pirating podcast this is parody this is parody uh (laughs) don't pirate anything um i'm watching my dvd copies um, I'm not sure how you're watching this, Connor. Again, if you if you want to do parody and say that you're watching a pirated copy, go ahead. Um, I, uh, I I bought the DVDs from Blockbuster. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, 
the the reason why I'm bringing this up is that Netflix. So Evangelion came to Netflix, and Netflix did a new set of subs. Um, I'm not sure about the dubs, but I like a lot of the discourse I saw was around the subs. And the person who worked on the those subs has a certain at least conservative bend. I haven't fully looked into the person, but um yeah, there so one thing is that um uh, there is certainly some ways that the dialogue around Shinji and this other character are written that play with dual meanings, but those dual meanings still have at their heart like a canonical queerness as well that's happening. Um and that it is like relating to other themes but i i the subs to my understanding in for the netflix like version really efface a lot of the like most explicit gay dialogue that occurs in ways that are technically possible translations but it's like oh if you take something that has a dual meaning or that can be ambiguous and then you efface the ambiguity to remove queerness um that's kind of my understanding of the approach that was taken. One other note, I know there's a part where there's mention of leftist terrorists in, so there's like a part where they mention terrorists. It's like a throwaway line and the, the new subs mention leftist terrorists. Um, some of this is based in actual like political things that was, were happening in Japan at the time. Um, the Japanese like government has basically always been the conservative party ever since like there's been democratic party system in Japan. And so like a lot of the terrorist action that has happened in Japan was coming from like uh leftist spaces. So there's like there is a like certain social connotation that there might have been, but that the subs still chose to draw out and like specifically name in a way that the actual original Japanese didn't as being like, these are leftist terrorists in a way that's also just weird. Um, so like I say all of this to be like, I'm not watching the Netflix subs because I actually want to watch like, Oh, here's the version that I watched in high school because part of this like whole task of this podcast for me is to, in some ways, at least for some of these theories, return to stuff that has been important for me and say, like, let me look at this through this new lens of actually under- understanding myself as a queer trans person and like, how was this formative for me in, in some way? But I also th- say this to be like, hey, if you have multiple options, for example, parodic options options that you would only do as parody um instead of watching the netflix subs i might actually recommend it this is parody again parody watch watch it on watch it on netflix the ghost divers sponsored by netflix (laughs) parody (laughs) just don't watch the uh just don't watch the the sub version or don't listen to the sub version wait yeah that didn't make any sense um I just wanted to throw that out here because I know that like you're talking about that reading of Shinji is not gay and I think the subs play into that and I I want to front load here if people are watching along and they're choosing to watch it on Netflix that they might have different readings of those scenes and that is because of the way that the subtitles were handled and not because of necessarily the actual original Japanese content Which, which is also a point that I'm making because like we're going to do Utena in a little bit. For a long time 
Utena and Anthe from Utena were believed to be straight, and so much of that was because of the way that it was subtitled and also the way that it was marketed to anime fans at the time because the explicit queerness in that series was viewed as something that would like not be appropriate to translate into English. And so there are understanding there's a character who is like canonically a lesbian. Her entire story is about being a lesbian. It is like very explicit. And if you watch it right now, like with current subs, it is impossible to not watch it and be like, literally she's a lesbian. And yet the way that it was subtitled at the time was trying to efface that. And so the idea that Evangelion was like trying to sneak in queerness that wasn't there is like, no, literally it was there. Um, Like at this time at translating uh, anime, like localizing it in the U S was still so much about effacing existing queerness. There's the infamous like sailor moon characters who are cousins in the English dub who are also canonically lesbians in the original Japanese. And so like, it's also this bullshit idea that like, in the localization, some team, when Evangelion first came over here, would try and sneak in a queer relationship. It's like, no, it, that's in the fucking anime. Ah, uh, yes. The international <laughs> queer conspiracy. Yeah. yeah. All I'm saying is if there actually was like an LGBT, like a, a queer agenda or a trans agenda, there would be like, there would be actual down with cis buses roaming the streets right now, beating up cis people. So it doesn't exist. Um <laughs> Sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty disappointed. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think we've like front loaded a lot of a lot of our thoughts. Yes. Um, Shall we just successfully do work side in now or? Uh, yeah. Uh, so, in terms of work cited, so I am bringing Deborah Shamoon. Uh, this essay called Misora Hibari and the Girl Star in Post-War Japanese Cinema. Uh, I did kind of briefly allude to this essay, I think, in our 08th MS Team episodes, but um, we definitely get more into it here. Uh, and honestly, it's like, if you can find it, I recommend reading it because I think it's going to be... Like, it brings up things about how the sexualization of young girls occurs in... Japan, like broadly, it actually doesn't focus too much on anime, but there's a lot of stuff that's happening that I think you can understand and and transfer over to like, okay, how is anime constructing this? So it's it's a very useful essay. It's been like important for me in approaching anime and trying to have a take on the complexities and like what what is bad and difficult about anime and the way that it sexualizes young girls that is not just the like knee-jerk anime is bad or like Japan is bad that I think falls into really like xenophobic and like racist tropes about Japan often and also like denies the complicity that America has in like how anime constructs sexuality in a way that I think a lot of people aren't really aware of. So a very important essay. And then kind of as an addendum, there's also going to be a video that I linked to um, Isora Hibari performing the song Kaneshiki Kuchibue, which um, there's various translations for like what that song is, but it's sort of one of the big ones that's talked about in the essay. Um, And I think it is kind of an interesting artifact to look at 
as well. This one in particular is her, like, as a child, but doing sort of a drag performance as a, a male figure. But yeah, and the, the essay goes into a lot more context around it, but um, definitely something that I think is interesting to to watch. And then Connor, you, you add two things, one thing in particular, but then yeah, your own little so, addendum. So I think the main thing that I, I bring in is a book by Julia Kristeva called Powers of Horror, an Essay on Objection. It, Although it is titled as an essay, it is book length. <laughs> um, and... Those academics. Yeah, I know. And this this ultimately becomes a very important part of uh, my reading of the whole series and especially of like some major thematic arcs that are going on and um, some key episodes. So I, I do my best to exp- explain the basic like overview of Christopher's thought, but I do a really bad job. So um, I think you did a fine job. <laughs> um, it really is. There, there is a lot to Christopher. She's an extremely complex theorist. I did my best to explain like the aspects of it that pertain to Ava and my reading, but I, I really strongly recommend looking into it if, if you're interested at all and some of the stuff that I'm trying to grasp at, I, I really strongly recommend like engaging with Christopha on your own because I'm convinced that there is a strong connection there and I may or may not have, have actually done it justice. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the other thing that we kind of comically dance around, but uh, never actually talk about is a, book by Eric Auerbach, who's a German literary theorist. And the uh, the book is called Mimesis, the Representation of Reality in Western Literature. And um, I was thinking a lot about this as it relates to the narrative style of Eva, specifically like the, especially the early um, parts of the series the way that interiority is often denied to the viewer and the way that the world is portrayed in this kind of very fragmented. And I use the term shadowy because it's a term that Auerbach uses, but um, yeah, just um, with respect to like what I think the series is doing with the narrative style and the way the world is portrayed um, and how that relates as well to, to the themes of the series. So if you're interested in this, this is also, this is an extremely long book of literary theory. Um, but if you, you really only need to read chapter one to get a sense of what I'm going for. And again, we don't even talk about it, but I do recommend it if you're interested in, you know, narrative theory and the way that Ava handles interiority and also um, just the, its unique narrative style. Yeah, I... When I took the uh, Yakuza movie class, the this is the thing a lot of professors do, but it was one where I actually ended up reading all of the optional texts because it'll be like, here's the required reading, here's the optional reading. And like the Misora Hibari essay that I bring in is actually was a optional reading for, for one of the uh, weeks. But I would say like, if you're, 
if you're treating this like very seriously, <laughs> I'm going to read along. I would say the Misori Bari and the Girl Star in post-war Japanese cinema and the Powers of Horror and Essay of Unobjection are like the required reading. And then this like Mimesis by Eric uh, Auerbach, this is like optional reading. You can add it on. It'll just give you a little bit more to think about. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to I'm going to upload a uh, a poorly scanned copy of it to uh, to our course website. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just like covered in like your notes like one of the pages has like a coffee stain all over it. Um, <laughs> exactly yeah also if you like actually read along with this podcast in addition to watching along like please write in and and tell us that's amazing um especially because i try and find like oh here's a version on the internet that i can link to when possible but um it's not always possible so if you're like really seeking these out let me know i'm impressed <laughs> um and you can do that by writing into ghostdiverspod at gmail.com so yeah next time we'll be doing the first six episodes of neon genesis evangelion buckle in everyone it's going to be quite the ride and uh thank you to export audio network exportaud.io or patreon.com slash export audio to support the network and uh, check out some other shows and support them as well um, then you can follow us at Ghost Divers Pod. Uh, you can follow me at Fox Mom Nia. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter that you use all the time, Connor? Oh, they, I mean, they already know, right? <laughs> They're already all follow me. Yeah. Um, but you know, in case you're new here, you can, you can find me at Rabelais on Twitter or A-B-B-L-E-A-S. Um, you can also follow me at Garf Red Aloud which is my account where I read Garfield into the camera almost every day. Um, I miss some days. I'm a mom. It happens. Um, Speaking of me being a mom, I'm also going to plug this one more time. There is a shirt that you can go and buy called, it says on a uh, MILF, man, I love phlebotoming. And I don't think I mentioned this when I talked about it on the show previously. It does have a picture of like a trout jumping on it. It's like specifically based off of a man I love fishing shirt. Uh, so you can go to shape, uh, shop.grapevine.is and just search MILF and you can find the shirt. Um, yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> and the, it goes to a good cause, right? Yeah. Um, it is actually supporting Cyborg. And I think some of it is going specifically to a legal case that she has against a bar that kicked her out for being trans. So that's actually a good cause. I don't know if you were aware of that, Connor. <laughs> I knew it was a good cause. No, I I knew I knew it was a good cause. Um, So anyway, stick around till after the podcast, and we will go through content warnings. Which for Evangelion, there there are quite a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, But otherwise, bye.
So content warnings for Evangelion here. Let's see. So I, I have quite a few written out. At the very beginning here, there's just like a lot of violence and blood and gore and depictions of death. A lot of it is around the Evangelions, which are these like body horror mechs. So there are still some other depictions that like get the the line between mech and pilot is often blurred in a way that makes this like it's not just mechs being destroyed. And also they are body horror mechs. So it's not like, oh, a mechanical arm was blown off. It's like, no, they like tear an arm off and there's blood or a red liquid of some sort um, that obviously looks like blood. There's also depictions, and we also talk about, like, abusive parents, abusive relationships in general. Really, like, there are things that are either explicitly or are gesturing towards emotional, physical, and sexual abuse, and, like, the ways that people are are conditioned into, like, coerced and, and being in these, like, dependent relationships so that they continue to be a part of like this system of violence. So that can also be difficult to watch. Uh, there's also nudity and sexuality, including the sexualization of young girls, which we get into. I'm, I'm sure listening to the work cited, you're aware of that, but going to mention it here as well. Um, there's some depictions of alcohol and alcoholism and it, it's sometimes played for laughs, but in a way where I think you're supposed to be aware of like how unsettling it is that it's being played for laughs. There are depictions of mental invasion that are kind of, um, coded as rape. Yeah. Coded as rape. Then just in general here, this is a lot of stuff that like I've already kind of mentioned, but just to put it out more directly, uh, sexism, toxic gender roles, uh, mental breakdowns, suicide. I forget. Yeah, there there is technically like a reference to decapitation or something um, in the show. This also happens a lot more in the movie. Uh, there's lots of depictions of strangulation. Towards the end in particular, there are depictions of like unreality or of like losing touch with a sense of reality. The manga uh, in particular has a depiction of animal death. I don't think that ever comes up in the show, but in general, the manga and the show are going to have a lot of the same content warnings, but there is a, a sort of unique scene to the manga that depicts um, a, a kitten being killed. So uh, something else to be aware of. Um, and then for the show, obviously not the manga, there are a lot of flashing images. So this, I, again, I think happens a little bit more as it goes on. And this is one of those things too, where if you're an viewer who might get epileptic seizures or something like that. Um, I'm sure there are, especially for Evangelion, there are probably like more specific guides just because this is a, a well enough show that you can look into that if that is, I know that like where the line is can vary for people. So, or like what becomes too much. And I am not able to produce like a really good guide on here are things to watch out for, or like here are moments to be aware of. And then I wanted to just throw a little bit extra for end of evangelion at the time of us recording this we actually still have not watched it unless you did connor no i did not okay yeah i think both of us are waiting close to when we actually record that episode which is going to be our next recording session because neither of us wanted to watch it twice (laughs) yeah i don't particularly want to watch it twice in one week yeah but I would kind of just say in general, like when it comes to Evangelion, it's a lot of the show, but just more intense. Uh, but there are some specific scenarios I wanted to call out. One, I mentioned the flashing images. If I recall, I think some of the the flashing images get a little bit more 
like intense and, and prolonged in the movie. The other ones, so there's various stuff that like kind of goes into non-consensual uh, sexual actions or rape or sexual abuse. Um, the two big ones I want to call out, and this is like getting a little bit more into specific spoiler territory, uh, but there's a character who masturbates over the unconscious body of a young girl. Um, and there's also a scene, and I think it's important to call out that it's specifically an older man who like grabs the breast of a young woman and then getting into body horror here, like hand like goes into her body, not in like a gory bloody way, but in just like a weird body's breaking down body horror way and is definitely evocative of like sexual abuse the way that 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 is depicted and then i feel like there are some pretty gory and violent scenes in the show but i I feel like it's turned up or it's just like happening so much like there's just the density it's a movie yeah so like the density of it i feel like it could be a little bit more intense rather than just like oh here's the scene in this episode and then there's like episodes of downtime and then here's like an intense scene um there's like a fairly prolonged very uh gruesome battle that happens and there's lots of other there's a lot of just like body horror in general in the the movies so yeah this is one of those of like really be aware going in for evangelion (laughs) um i think it's worth watching along with us but there's a lot in this so um i could definitely understand people being like "Mm, i'm gonna i'm gonna peace out on this one but I think that's that's about all I have for content warnings. I don't know if you had any other that you like specifically thought of. No, I think uh, I think you covered it as far as is possible. Yeah. All right. And then let me do that. I want to do a quick re-record of the episode and manga breakdown, just because when I was reading through it, I decided to change a few of the cutoffs. Especially, I think. I ended up taking like a few chapters that we were going to have as part of the second, like the episode seven through 13 and shifted it because I was doing it based on when angels appear, but actually a lot of the interesting stuff that we talk about of like, here's the relationship between Kaji and Misato and like the wedding and everything kind of happens before, like it gets the most muddled there. So yeah, I'm going to, I will record this now. Okay. Um, so yeah, yeah. And it's, it's like weird, like glitch stuff that would happen if you were like messing around in, um, some sort of like animator thing like that. So, um, yeah, there's a new character who gets introduced early on, but otherwise it's like fairly similar. Um, and I forget if the final movie's out yet or they're like doing something else with it. But um we'll get into this when we like talk about End of Evangelion and then also the manga. But I think like as more and more Evangelion retellings have happened, there's like I don't know how canonical it is, but there's like at least within the fan community an understanding of like each one is a different like the end happens and like life is restored and then like a cycle repeats essentially and then it like comes back to the same things are happening but then it like varies in slight ways and it like branches as it like progresses in the story so um but in i haven't watched the the like all of the rebuild yet 
But um, I do know that, like, the interpretation that I have of the manga is, like, this is a significantly more optimistic version of the story. Um, I don't know if you've been reading it along yet. Okay. Yeah. Um, I haven't actually quite caught up to where we are right now, but it's fine because I think the biggest thing, like I'll, I'll be interested to hear your thoughts as you read through it. Um, I think like the big thing for me is just that I think Sadamoto and uh, Ano have like fundamentally different opinions on the characters uh, of like what their struggles with like the mental stuff they're going through, how that manifests. And I think at first it just is like a difference in terms of how Sadamoto is trying to portray that to a manga reading audience rather than like what you can do in an anime. But then I think as it goes on, they become interested in, okay, but if like the characters were actually doing this, that you're doing to like front load emotional stuff in a way that's different than like an anime can do it. Um, would that actually like change how stuff resolves? So yeah, that'll be, we can talk about it a little bit. I want to like briefly just call out like, Hey, if you're reading along with the manga, here's like the one thing I just want you to latch onto right now. <laughs> so, um, anyway, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, let's actually let's just get into it. We can do the the actual part of it on the pod. Uh, time that is. Let me. I'm actually pulling it up now. All right. Now recording. It was great. Is Craig in here? I reminded oh, myself. Oh, were you not recording Craig. at all for that? No. Oh, okay. That's fine. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've been recording this entire time. Okay. Um, I I should have. I should have thought. No, it's ahead. it's fine. I started recording like mid us talking about something being like, oh, this is just stuff I could throw in as like, you know, my B-roll. 
or yeah. my like not in my brain i call it b-roll even though i literally don't use it that way um but i'm sorry like for depriving my... you of, of the content but you might be able to still use your your track um, yeah I, i'll see if there's anything worthwhile in it but um i love doing those like post-credit stuff so just you know uh, banter just humanizing us i i especially liked the post credit stuff for the question bucket that we recorded last because it's just like such a heavy episode in general and then the like banter is just like haha joking around <laughs> we're just like slap happy yeah. at, the, <laughs> at the end of that after four hours of recording mm-hmm. my just... favorite is the part where we are talking about like okay shaking the habitual and then we like get distracted and then you're like okay shaking the habitual shaking the habitual actually i'm gonna go to the bathroom (laughs) 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 and it's just like we say shaking the habitual so many times being like we need to like we need to move this on it's great (laughs) yeah we were we were definitely uh we were definitely losing it a little bit all right let's do the time that is clap Okay, what time is it? Um, we'll do it at 38. Okay. Oh, I was late, sorry. I okay. didn't clap fast enough. <laughs> I was distracted. You the number. I was distracted because I, I kept refreshing it and it kept saying International Pancake Day. And it was distracting me. Yeah, happy International Pancake Day. Thank um, you. Yes, happy... Happy International Pancake Day to you as well. Yeah. Time is a brisk wind. For each hour it brings something new. But who can understand and measure its sharp breath, its mystery, and its design? Paracelsus. Thanks, time that is. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, you can only be measured okay. in pancakes. 18. Okay. Wow, that was really... I didn't hear you at all. Oh, wow. Wow. Let's do one more. Okay. You you pick the number this time. 32. <laughs> okay. I was a little early, but that's um, okay, I think. We've got three claps. I'll figure it out. Okay, we can do one it's more. It's somewhere in there. No, it's somewhere in there. We're all right, good. All right. Cool. Good, goodbye. Um, time dot is. All right, let's get into it before we talk for a half hour before we record. Um, shall we just successfully do work side in now or uh, yeah I'm I'm not exactly sure <laughs> like how many direct citations I'm going to make or if I'm just going to talk around like some of the I know I know I'm going to have a work cited so um, yeah. um, okay go for it well, I, I'm just doing the throw here, and then we can clap, and we can move on, and then we'll come back and re- record. We're excited. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> Consider it thrown. Okay. I'm going to do the clap. Okay. That's just so I know where to start editing, or like where to break stuff up early on. Okay. Um, do you want to take a quick bathroom break? Um. Yeah. I did not think of that, but that's actually a good idea. There you go. You're welcome. Look at you. <laughs> I'll be right back.
stupid boy. Aren't they all? Also, Neve drink check. I had half of a, um, I think it was like baked ice cream flavored beer that Emily got. It was weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, is that a, did you not expect that? <laughs> I, yeah, I was like, why did you buy this? Um, then I'm currently drinking a raspberry sour beer. Um, and I am, I have waiting in the wings. I tried to get the, um, Yabisu, the, like a beer that Misato drinks, but I feel like I would have to go to Mitsua to get it. And there's a pandemic. Um, so I wasn't able to like find it at the places where I buy alcohol right now that are close to my apartment because I can just walk there. So I have a Kirin Ichiban, but I still felt like I needed like here's just like a Japanese ass basic beer, um, in honor of Misato. So um, I Same. feel like there there will need to be like one recording where I just like have an entire like six pack or whatever of like Japanese beer in here and I just drink it all. Um Next just question, be like the it. most messy misato I can possibly be. Um Ava question bucket. Yeah. That one that one we'll both drink for. Yeah, like how you drink coffee and I drink beer. <laughs> tonight I'm not drinking coffee because I'm like So You want to be able to sleep tonight? Yeah. Um, and there's also like, <laughs> this is a completely random tangent, but, um, so there's like stuff in, uh, this probably isn't a field, but I'm just going to call it like performance, like theory around like athletes and per- just performers of all types, um, where they, I guess this would just be psychology, um, where they talk about like, <laughs> the optimal level of like ex- like excitation for a performer uh to you know to perform at their peak um and so if you're like totally calm you, you're not you know you don't have enough juice to like to perform it at your best uh but also if you're like overexcited um then like your performance dips too so I'm just like, I'm excited enough to record. I have like just the right amount of like nerves and I drank a shitload of coffee five hours ago. So I'm just trying to find the equilibrium, blah, 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 equilibrium, you know? And uh, last time, the question bucket for uh, Ghost in the Shell, I was just like, it was too much. I, so, I, I'm going to, I'm going to say a thing right now. <laughs> so I have, I have declared myself podcasting's bratty switch. Um, and so there's like further talk. I, it sounds like I'm definitely guesting not. So next episode they're having a guest on for hat singles then they're going to do one solo because it's like an album that autumn just wants to be able to like talk at regs for a really long time about and like not have to talk about a third album for an episode. Um, and then I'm going to guest after that. 
is the current plan. And I'm excited to get to it because Autumn is like, I'm a podcast top. And I feel uh-huh. like you are a podcast bottom. And I know this because I edit our podcast and I see how often like one that I just talk a lot compared to you <laughs> about things, but also will often like jump in when you're starting to try and find a word or something and I'll like make a joke or whatever. And I'm like, is the dynamic going to be different? with autumn oh that's gonna be interesting (laughs) or but to see this the thing i like i'm planning to actually before i i actually record the episode like have a this is me like legit being like okay autumn i know that you joke that you're a podcast top because you're like get very like i want to be the one in control of the podcast i also joke about being a bratty switch because like what bratty switches do in particular is like, if you are currently in the top position, you are like trying to egg someone into responding to you, which I feel like is a thing that I do with you a lot (laughs) where I'm like, let me try and like say some weird thing that's going to make Connor laugh or like, feel like he needs to say something. But then also if you're in the bottom position, you're trying to take control. And so like, there's a part of me being like, I feel like I'm going to try and hijack your podcast, Autumn. How much do you want me to try and dial that back? Or do you want to just like let that roll? (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, it totally, (laughs) totally makes sense to have this conversation play out over our respective podcasts and not just like on Twitter or something (laughs) or in a private message. Yeah, (laughs) I can cut this if you don't want me saying (laughs) your podcast vibe. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I'm so I'm so ashamed. I can't have any such insinuation out in the public sphere. Oh no! All I'm saying is you have big bottom energy. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, yeah, you know it was really uh, like I think when we first started this podcast, I was just like somewhere in my mind, I made a calculation of being like, what's the best like balance of energy like to make this work and i was just like yeah it's just not going to be it's just going to be like not super cool if i'm it doesn't feel right for me to be like jumping in and interrupting you and stuff like you'll be if you're like you know hey here's like i'm going to talk about you know my experience as a trans person and i'm just going to be like (laughs) okay yeah 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 but yeah you know (laughs) Let, let me talk about what it's like to be a cis man, <laughs> the most underrepresented group. Yeah. Yeah. Let me like, yeah, yeah, that was good. That was, that was cool. But I got a, another thought completely and I'm going to change the subject on you. Um, so, you know, and then it just, you know, I think we just settle into a pattern like any relationship. So, yeah. Hey, call it what you want. Um, but I, you it's this way is good for me if it's good for you yeah (laughs) i mean it was funny when we were doing the question bucket and you were like i talking about you know how important it is to you that you like relativize your your perspective and like your position and like that you are not the the voice that's always being heard the most and i'm like yeah this tracks with you being a podcast bottom (laughs) (laughs) there you go this makes sense yeah um it's the only way to it's the only way for me to be yeah um uh it it works i think this podcast is good i'm 
if you're okay, I'm going to include this as like the post just so that if people are are uh listening to this podcast and being like why does like neve jump in and talk over connor sometimes they'll just know that like this is our agreed upon dynamic (laughs) yes yeah totally yeah it's no it's cool you can include it all right um i guess we should get into the podcast huh yeah probably it's it's you know it's really amusing to me i was looking at the calendar invite and i was just like reflecting on how aspirational your scheduling is because it's always like two hour blocks <laughs> let's see what what time is it right now oh yeah so it's about over <laughs> yeah right we're only gonna talk for yeah an hour starting now yeah we re- we recorded one podcast done <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you know one yeah one of two podcasts you know it was one hour and now that Episode one of Ava will be, or episodes one through six, that'll only take us an hour or so. Yeah. 